The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily. Hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hey, yo, welcome back for Fantasy Sports Today, our dose. That's right, Joe Pizzapia with you and the Eric Young talking all things fantasy sports. We had a great hour one. We had Nathan Bush talking NBA. We did a little hot take Tuesday. If you missed any of it, go watch us on demand on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. We're everywhere. In the meantime, let's talk about what's happening right now because the Padres have been making a lot of moves. We talked about that to open the show, and we're also going to talk about some NFL stuff and some news to notes to get to, which is, of course, Ben Roethlisberger will not be playing this week. He is going to be out. Mason Rudolph, congratulations. You're going to get a start against the Cleveland Browns with everything to play for. We'll see how that works out. Also, Frank Gore looks like he might be done for Week 17. That is unfortunate to think he might have played his last game in the NFL, and if he does... What a career it has been for Frank Gore. But some other news to get to, EY. We've got Jared Goff having surgery on his thumb. John Walford is going to start Week 17 for the Rams. I feel like John Walford sounds like a name of a guy who was like a lead singer of a heavy metal band, like Judas Priest or something. Like, like I love John Walford. He was the best original singer for Dio, and then they changed and things got weird. Like, John Walford definitely has that kind of a feel to it. Joe Mixon out for Week 17. CMC looking doubtful. Let's lament for a moment if we can, because I know you had a lot of shares and so did I. I was also blessed with a ton of number one and number two overall picks this year, which never happened ever. And I had a lot of CMC and Saquon Barkley. So things did not go well. I was still competitive at times, made a couple playoffs, but still it was a tough year for me. And everyone can blame me for getting the one and two picks. It's my fault. It's the bad mojo. So you can heap all of that to stain on me. But Eric, let's talk about Mixon first, because They made a financial commitment to him. Joe Mixon, to me, was ready and poised for a breakout year. There were moments here where it was disappointing, obviously, some good moments, but then obviously the injuries have just taken over and destroyed the whole second half. What's your grade on Mixon going into next year? Because you've had guys emerge like Taylor, like Montgomery, where I imagine those guys have gone past Joe Mixon for you going into next year, correct? Uh, I, I mean, I think for me with, um, Joe Burrow having the rookie season that he did until he had, until he got injured, the emergence of Higgins there, um, 
I mean, AJ Green, obviously, uh, Shelv is a former self, but Boyd is a good receiver. I think Sample is going to be a, a pretty serviceable tight end. Burrow in this off, you know, in this offense for another off season, uh, probably ready to to start next year. I think it just improves Mixon, and uh, for me, I think he's going to probably be top five, top six. Mm, wow, wow, that's you know, yeah. I got to tell you, I, I love. I love the talent, and you know you can make some arguments there. Talent-wise, he's right there in that top grouping. But I got to tell yeah. you, I'm looking at where some of these guys have finished so far this year, and all the the Saquons and back and people looking for bounce backs. I think there's a chance we could get Joe Mixon as a high-end RB two next year in terms of where he could be drafted. And if he ends up anything like a top five running back, that's a game changer. I'll tell you, put it to you this way. Would you take, let's say, in a perfect world, Trevor Lawrence is playing for the Jaguars. Would you take James Robinson or Joe Mixon right now if you had a draft going on? Mixon for me. I, I, I get that the James Robinson story is awesome. Um, but the truth is, is Mixon has the ability and the tools to be a generational running back. This is a big a giant human being. He has a, a really fast 40 time. He can catch the ball. He really shouldn't come off the field. Um, I think with having very good quarterback play there for a, an entire year will make him a, a top running back. I, I'm probably taking him in the first five or six picks. We want to welcome in radio. We're talking about Joe Mixon uh, and my my love for Joe Mixon. I, I just <laughs> I just believe in this guy. He hasn't done it yet, but I think next year is going to be a Joe Mixon year. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll take the discount to find out. I'm kind of with you on that one. Now, what about CMC? Because that takes a, somewhere around a one, two, or three pick to get him. I think that's going to vary depending on the people you're playing with in certain leagues and who's more risk-adverse than others. And and look, Chris McCaffrey, we know what the upside is. It's number one overall pick. But I said that two years ago with Todd Gurley. Now, one has a degenerative knee issue. That's different. But we're also talking about a player that everybody was concerned about how you hold up in the NFL with that workload, and after two enormous workloads, the body starts to give in a little bit. And I'll ask you, as a number one overall pick, is McCaffrey the way you want to go? I mean, for me, uh, he's still going to go in the top, you know, two or three players. Um, I I'm probably not going to take him there. I worry about the injury. I think that the big thing will be is do they manage to hold on to Mike Davis? If they can make it so McCaffrey is only touching the ball 15 or 20 times a game rather than 25, 30 times a game. I think he's more valuable. And that's a weird thing to say. But the truth is, is, is he is not built to take that kind of punishment. He runs like a lunatic. He, he, he goes straight into contact. He is elusive, but he's not afraid of contact. But his no. frame is just not built for that. That's that's science. Uh, and it, this year really showed what everyone thought. I mean, most people thought is he cannot carry the ball that many times and play an entire season. All right, just, just to wrap up our other headlines here, the Phillies are still in the JT realm. You have to go sweepstakes, apparently. So we'll keep a close eye on that and see what happens with JT as some of the Chips are beginning to fall into place for Major League Baseball. Henrik Lundqvist will undergo open-heart surgery, so we wish him all the best, too, and uh, hopefully things will go well there. And John Morant sprained his ankle versus the Nets, uh, so keep that also, hopefully, for your fantasy knowledge and see where that goes, and we'll keep an eye on that as we continue on. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback position and where things have ended up here. Yes, Week 17 still there, but not everybody's playing Week 17, so this is the perfect time to take a look at the board where everybody finished, what surprised us, what we're looking 
for for next year who can crack this QB1 grouping because I'd be surprised if some of the names that showed up after all. So stick around. We're going to talk quarterback fantasy football right here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the words of Al Pacino, you're a quarterback. You're the leader of a team or a fantasy team at that. So we're going to look at the quarterbacks of 2020 and how they finished up here after 16 glorious fantasy football weeks. And uh, it might surprise you to see who's at the the top of the board after a huge Monday night football game. But look, it's it's really the usual suspects for the most part in these top five. But when he gets outside of that, it's actually a little surprising. I think that a lot of people had some different opinions on some different quarterbacks, where they might end up. And I'll tell you what, in Superflex Leagues, there's all kinds of discussions about how people were very wrong on Cam Newton and a lot of other things. I got to tell you. I had Cam Newton in like the middle of the pack at QB2 at best. A lot of people were elevating him to crazy. Like he's going to bounce back and be MVP. It was not a good look. But again, we take the good with the bad here. We take them both. And there you have the quarterback, the quarterback position. All right, so let's do it. Let's start here at the top. Number one, Josh Allen. That's right. Unbelievable. Josh Allen finishing so strong. 385 points for Josh Allen, number one overall on the season here. Patrick Mahomes, 380 points for him. He will most likely sit out in this next week. So that's a two-week period for Mahomes, which I'm always worried about going into the playoffs. I don't like the long layoffs. Not a fan. We'll see what happens there. So no surprise with Mahomes. Josh Allen at the top, I think a little surprising for most folks. Nobody saw that coming. And even me, who like Josh Allen, probably is like a six or seven overall quarterback this past year. That's still pretty high. Kyler Murray, number three overall with 370 points. A great showing for him. And unfortunately, an injury kind of slowed him down. He could have been the number one overall guy to finish your points. And he very well might be with some of the guys who are sitting next week, depending on what kind of game he has. However, Kyler Murray, definitely in terms of fantasy, going to be gold next year going into drafts. Aaron Rodgers, look at him showing up as number four overall. Incredible season for Rodgers. Probably going to win the MVP at this point. Uh, A ton of touchdowns. 
hardly any picks. He's been very efficient with the football as always, but a little bit more um, confident in some of the other pieces. Robert Tunyon has had a lot of good positive vibes on this offense. And of course, Devontae Adams has been out of his mind good. Number five, Russell Wilson. Now, most of this number five work in this 354 came in the first half of the season. It's been less thrilling in the last few weeks. But, of course, Deshaun Watson always thrilling, 349 points for him. So let's take this grouping first. Uh, I think the biggest surprise for me is Josh Allen at the top. I mean, Aaron Rodgers finishing in the top five of quarterback, surprising but not shocking. Josh Allen finishing at number one. Eric, I don't think anybody saw this coming, but maybe we all should have. Maybe we should have given them a little bit more credit and bought in more to Stefan Diggs and bought in a little bit more to what they were doing. And, of course, Josh Allen's another quarterback, like Murray, like Lamar, uses legs as well, can always rush around and do things. So I think Allen at number one is the most, you know, shocking to me. And it's a story. What about you? When you look at these top six guys, what kind of pops to you? Yeah, super shocking. I don't think there would have been a single person that would have even had him in the top 10, top 12, um, ranked that way. Uh, the truth is, is like, look at the trend here. These are all quarterbacks that can run the ball. And that's a massive advantage in fantasy. And it's becoming a massive advantage in, in the, in real football, in the NFL itself. Um, the, the truth is, is there's freak athletes all over the field. And if you can't move and can't escape and, and roll out and, and get out of uh, a pressure situation, you're in real trouble. I, I know Tom Brady is going to be somewhere in the top 10, top 12, but I mean, he's a bit of a unicorn when, when it comes to he's a statue I mean like he had one of the worst 40 times ever uh, he just stands there he does have this uncanny ability to slide and move in the pocket and he's just not afraid of getting hit and, and will stand in there but the the era of quarterbacks like that is over you have to be an athlete to play the quarterback position in the NFL now and the top five right here in fantasy I get that it's fantasy sports but these are all super effective quarterbacks um Deshaun Watson being in the top five still with the people that surrounded him is, is surprising to me. Um, but this comes down to his mobility and his gamesmanship. He just refuses to lose. And that's, uh, that's an intangible quality that you can't, uh, you can't measure. And it's, it's cool to see. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And Deshaun Watson doesn't get enough credit. I feel like every year, for some reason, yeah. he just Get enough credit how good he is and how consistent he is, despite the fact surrounding pieces are a little up and down. All right, let's look at the seven through 12 as we get through quarterback one here. And Ryan Tannehill, it's got to be a shocking one. Now, I love Tannehill, he was one of my favorite uh, QB2s in a lot of leagues. And you know, Josh Allen, God bless him, he saved my Scott Fishbowl season because I lost Saquon Barkley, but I got Josh Allen late. Him and Matt Ryan were my two quarterbacks, so it was still useful there, but. Ryan Tannehill, 322, more points than Lamar Jackson. Now, look, if Lamar Jackson had played all season like he has in the last month, Lamar Jackson would be probably around three or four overall. But he hasn't. And unfortunately, that's something to take stock of and then look forward to next year and pay close attention to what weapons they add to Lamar Jackson's Baltimore attack going forward. He needs a possession-wide receiver, needs somebody dependable that we can count on. Uh, Justin Herbert. By far the most shocking guy in the top 10 to me. Not even close. I mean, I never thought Herbert. I thought Herbert might be good as the season went on. Eventually, nobody could have seen the seven 300-yard games. Nobody could have seen him breaking the, the quarterback record for most touchdowns by a rookie. Then you got Tom Brady. 
as you said, the unicorn still in the top 10 and somehow it's staggering. I him him as a high-end QB2, and he's going to finish as a low-end QB1. Good on you, Tom Brady. And, of course, Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan rounding out things here. Roethlisberger, huge volume. Same thing with Matt Ryan. You look at those two guys and you say, okay. Basically, for these two guys, Eric, it's about the fact that they don't have a running game. So they kind of finish where they did based on volume. But who are the guys you've got your eyes on that are going to go past them next year? Kirk Cousins just missed this by a few points. You number 13, in case you were wondering out there. You know, you've got guys like Lawrence coming into the league. you got Joe Burrow coming back from injury, who at the time he was looking like he could be a QB1 or finish somewhere around 10, 11, 12. So who do you have your eye on next year to kind of crack this group of 12? Yeah, I think Burrow is definitely going to be in here, a guy that can can run too. Um, he does it uh, out of more out of necessity, but the the fact is that he has that card in, in his hand that he can play that when he needs to it is almost invaluable in the NFL nowadays. Uh, but I think Burrow is going to have a massive year next year. I think the Cincinnati Bengals will be very improved, and a lot of that will be due to Joe Burrow being the full-time starting quarterback in his second year. So that's, uh, uh, that's somebody that I would really have my eye on nobody thought Allen was going to be on this list nobody thought Tannehill was going to be on the list nobody thought Herbert was going to be on the list can you remember a time where there was this many really good quarterbacks available in fantasy football I don't I think it's it's a very cool time to to be a person that can really wait on quarterback and and you know laugh your way to another championship so it's 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 a very cool thing but you're going to have to pick you're going to have to decide uh and a lot of times it, it comes down to injury and and game plan and stuff like that. So this is a is a very good time for quarterback, especially in fantasy sports. You know, it makes me think that this is why most leagues should be super flex because what a yeah. waste because the next few quarterbacks are very good. You had Cousins who had a pretty good season. I know there were some moments of he's Kirk Cousins and there's good Kirk Cousins and bad Kirk Cousins. Burrow was really good. See what Tua is next year. Um, you know, Derek Carr had a medical season. I think a lot of people, I guess, Philip Rivers came on strong. You know, they, this is a, an incredibly deep group, which is why I think when you're only starting one quarterback in leagues, it's just kind of like you're not using the pool. You're not opening things up. And not only that, to me, the super flex league, like I just made that point about Scott Fishbowl, right? That's a super flex format. And, you know, I lost my star running back and I was still a 500 team. That's tough to do in, <laughs> in a single quarterback league. Because you just don't know when you have those two quarterbacks, you can overcome massive wide receiver injuries, massive running back injuries. And that is something that I think people need to open themselves up to the idea and utilize this position. It's the most important position in regular football. It should be the most important position in fantasy football, theoretically, but oftentimes it's not because like Eric's saying, it's supply and demand of those older guys of Brady, Big Ben and uh, Matt Ryan, who is not in the top 12 next year, you think? Oh, man, it's hard to, to bet against any of those guys. I mean, they're still getting it done. Um, I don't know if Big Ben plays again. I mean, I, you know, I know that it was a discussion and it, it, it might be it for him. I mean, I, I think uh, he's a guy that doesn't like uh, the offseason, doesn't like training, doesn't like the preparation, likes to play. But, but if you want to play, you got to be ready. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish here. I know I'm filling in for Scott Farrell all week, but it wouldn't be a week here on Fantasy Sports Today without our guy Josh Cohen from PCSportsCards.com. We've been having Josh on the show every single week to talk about the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs of the sports card world. And he joins us now. Josh, happy holidays to you. And I know it's going to be a happy new year pretty soon. Thanks once again for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to you. You know, as we do weekly, no Sun Devil games this weekend. So it's a little tough to update it. COVID, COVID bit us again. So we'll figure it out as the year goes on. Yeah, we will. But uh, you know what is back? The NBA is back. And, and to nobody's surprise, the NBA card market has once again risen. And I, I think it's rising for anybody who hits a bucket in the NBA. I can't believe... <laughs> Some of the prices on some of these graded cards. I mean, Kevin Durant looks like he is doubled in price on every single one of his cards. I mean, he looked great in the first two games, and then, of course, they lost. He sat out last night's game. His cards are going crazy. And I know that there are some others, Josh, who are as well. And I and I guess the question is, is, like, buy time over in the NBA? Like, how do you get ahead of the market at this point? Anybody who does anything in one game, his cards go up 20 30%. I mean, you could take the strategy, the horizontal strategy of just buying every card and every every young guy, and when they go when they go off, you just sell them. Um, but there, there's been a lot of pent up build up for all these guys, and you see Trey go off, you see John Morant go off, you see Durant go off, you see all these guys go off and explosion, right? These guys were four five hundred bucks for a Prism PSA ten. Prism, as you know or don't know, is the most common, most popular brand for basketball cards. Um, and they go from 500. We bought 20 Zion PSA 10s for about $10,000, and they're worth $1,000 each now, you know, in a matter of a month and a half. So I don't think buying time is over. I think we're going to keep on seeing ticks up, ticks up, ticks up, ticks up. Uh, then we'll start being ship stuff sort of coming up as the year turns over, and people will start weeding out who they actually want to spend that money on. Yeah, and you can find Josh over at PCSportsCards.com. He also runs a consignment business, so he sees more cards than anybody else in the country. People submit the cards to Josh, and then Josh sends them to the grading card company PSA Card, and then PSA sends them back to Josh, and he sends them to the client. So it's called a group submission. Really interesting. Um, you, meant, you mentioned one player I want to go back to here in Trey Young, and, and it's very easy to look at a player and say the dude's averaging 30 points a game and he's having a great season. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder from your perspective, because the Atlanta market in general, not just with the NBA, but with the NFL as well, it's been really hard to find superstars there where their cards 
have been worth a lot of money. I like I struggled to do it, I, I suppose, here. I, I mean, I guess Hank Aaron played with the Atlanta Braves and Dale Murphy did. And then on the football field, we've had players like Deion Sanders play there in the past. But with the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, Dominique Wilkins is one of the greatest players ever. You could still get his rookie card in a PSA eight or nine, that 1986 Fleer for like less than a hundred bucks. So I would wonder with Trey Young, whose cards have gone up so significantly, do you buy into that at all? Market size, like does New Orleans matter? Um, and in some of these smaller places. So, so if you were talking to me two or three years ago, I would say, yeah, it matters a lot. But basketball is such a worldwide phenomenon. It doesn't matter as much with the market size for an individual town. What's really going to matter is, are they going to win? Right, that's what's going to matter to take that next jump. Are they going to be a championship team? Do you think the Hawks are a player? Six to eighteen, maybe. You know, going turning the conversation around a little bit. You look at somebody like Kobe White, who had one explosive preseason game. His card shot up, but the Bulls aren't very good, right. so they're probably not going to go anywhere this year. So that might be something you want to get out of right now. You know. You may see if, if you're on the opposite side, you think the Bulls will be good in two or three years. Maybe you see it as a buying opportunity. Personally, I'm not I'm not on the Bulls right now. I'm not on Kobe White. I think the Hawks are a couple years away, but Trey is a superstar and he's a face of a team and he's a face he he's one of the face the young faces of the league. So I think he's gonna keep going up. These guys, Luca, Trey, John, Zion, they're just taking over right now when it comes to these cards. Um I, I see a lot of upside with all four of those guys still, even though the numbers we're seeing right now are a little out of control. Yeah, it, it, it's really hard, but it's good to get ahead of the game on some other players, too. And, um, you know, certainly we've talked about that through the weeks. All right, let's go to the NFL, where we talk a lot of odds here on this show. And right now, it looks like Josh Aaron Rodgers is going to end up winning the NFL MVP. So just from a conceptual standpoint, uh, if somebody's out there now, they're thinking about buying an Aaron Rodgers Tops 2005, just a base card, or maybe even the Chrome PSA 10. <laughs> Is that a guaranteed plus 10, 15% when he wins that MVP? Or could it just legitimately be the guy still has to go somewhat far in the playoffs? His cards are still reasonable. I think you said he's one of the more undervalued quarterbacks around there. Do players get a bump from awards? And will Rodgers be one of those? In theory, they do get a bump for awards, but it's sort of like Ron and Mahomes getting bumps for winning championships. You see the season unfolding. It's not like, oh my God, look, Aaron Rodgers won. MVP, right? It's not, oh my God, look, this happened. So people are already building that in, and you'll see that price increase right now, two, two to four weeks ago. You'll see it happening as we go through the season. So I don't think it's an automatic plus 10 or 15% now, but to me, Aaron Rodgers isn't the quick flip buy. Aaron Rodgers is the long term upside investment where you can see that over time. You may not see a uh, Trey Young, I know we're referring back to basketball right now, but you may right. not see that bump. Um, you may not see that Mahomes bump from 2,000 to 8,000 of his key card because it's just been around for so long. But over time, you'll see 30%, 30%. Pulling it to baseball, it's like Trout. Trout, every year, season ends, he goes down 20%. We start talking about the season starting, he goes up 35%. Every year, it's just a little dip. And then a spike, a little dip and then a spike. And I think that's what you see with somebody like Rodgers right now. A younger player, Lamar Jackson last year, big, big bump when he wins MVP because it wasn't expected, right? right. He wasn't an all-time great. He wasn't a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is already a Hall of Famer. He's already a, safe, a, safe, a safer buy. 
Right. And any cards you want to show this week before I do my card of the week here? Oh, so we have our Aaron Rodgers Contenders Auto PSA 10, which we got about two years ago. And that's probably like a twenty-five or $30,000 card right now. And if you're looking for a longer investment and you have the capital for it, this is one of the key cards. Very difficult grade from 2005 Contenders. If that's something you're looking for, I would I would definitely put that away. I think that has a lot of long-term upside. All right, very cool. And uh, and look, there's, there's still a long way to go in the NFL. We could have somebody end up winning the Super Bowl that we don't expect. Josh is 100% right with that, no doubt. Um, all right, so as we always do, let's close it out with my card of the week. I'm going to actually go to baseball this week. I haven't done any baseball, and I think next week hopefully we'll have our uh, our results from, from the Dr. J card that I sent in. Uh, but this is a uh, fingers crossed. You never know with the, the turnaround time with this stuff. But I did get back a uh, a Wade Boggs card from Josh that I submitted. This is his 1983 Fleer. This is a PSA 10. Is this worth a million dollars? No. Was it in my personal collection for 20 years, pulled out of a, of a box somewhere and sent in and got a 10? Yes. So that made the story very cool for me. This is part of my personal collection. Uh, Value-wise, only a couple hundred bucks. I could keep it. I could sell it. I'm not really... Uh, you know, married to it one way or the other. But it's those fun stories for me is like having a card as a kid, Josh, like this one. I know that you have, uh, I think you were born in 83. So I know that you're having affinity for that year too. Yeah, I was born in 83. So I'm putting together the whole tops 792 card set in PSA 10. I'm 95 cards there. And I think honestly, Craig, hold it, right? Forget about anything else. I know it's a PC card, but it's, it's definitely a hold. Um, so I think we're going to keep on seeing those cards go up and up and up over time. I think they're undervalued anyway, and I clear and tops both up. Okay, uh, very interesting there. All right, so um, before we go, um, let, let's let's talk about the uh, the upcoming weeks here and, and what we may be seeing. Any new products coming out on the line here? And I, I know that everyone's waiting for Prism Basketball to come out. But we, Panini we have time, for, we have time for Prism Basketball. I'm going to turn that around a little bit and say the, what I'd say right now is – Look at the trends. If you're new new to the hobby and you're new to new to sports cards, look at the trends that we're seeing right now with basketball. Look at these guys exploding up in value when the season starts, when we get close to the season. You know, if you're if you're a multi-sport kind of collector or you're looking at it strictly as an investment, baseball's coming up in three to four months. Right. We still have young guys that are much less much less valuable right now, card-wise, with a comparable card. A comparable pop report, which I know we've talked about in the past, which is how many cards we have graded in a certain grade. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at Ronald Acuna's Tops update, which is comparable to Prism Luka Doncic, is 160 to $180 instead of 1600 to $1,800. It's crazy. That, it's a crazy market, and there's upside there. So if you And it's Acuna, Acuna, it's Soto, it's Tatis, it's all those guys. They are all going to go up. I'm not breaking news to anybody. If you're new to the hobby, watch it as it happens. Don't be shocked when those are 250 to 350 in the next three months. They are guaranteed to go up before the season starts. Yeah, the, the one the one thing that I've been trying to do is getting the best price. And again, uh, Soto to me is a bona fide star, younger than all of these other guys. And and you can't ever, ever talk about a kid that's going to the Hall of Fame. But when a player is this young and so good, and they basically all they have to do is play like a Pujol style, I'm not saying a lot, but play that for the next 10, 15 years. It's almost <laughs> yeah, a that's it. Be the best player for yeah, just 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 throw a Pujols <laughs> comparison on. But but his tops Chrome is um it, I think I bought one for two hundred and fifty dollars. I think that's kind of my budget for that. And I was thinking I would buy like like four or five of them and then make that my investment into 
Juan Soto, and then of course I have a ton of Acuna being graded, and you know that's that's a, that's a whole other story. Hoping to get those back in time for the baseball season, which is only a, a couple of months away. But yes, yeah, a lot of big news in terms of sports, and to follow it all, uh, you can also follow Josh on his YouTube channel, where every single day uh, over on PC Sports Cards, he's doing a reveal every day. So if you want to see more of the cards that he receives back that are graded. Check out his YouTube channel and subscribe to it, and then you can get notifications immediately when he posts a new video. Hey, Josh, great to see you. Have a great week. Happy New Year. We'll talk again next week. You too, Craig. Thanks a lot, man. All right, Josh Cohen, PCSportsCards.com. Runs a great consignment business as well if you're thinking about selling or buying some cards too. More of Joe Pizzapia coming up next on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Everybody, great stuff there from uh, Josh and Craig. And uh, obviously we'll be back next week to talk to sports cards. In the meantime, a little bit of news to get to here. AP Player of the Year in college football goes to... Devontae Smith uh, of the Alabama team right there, the Crimson Tide. So uh, great stuff there, wide receiver Devontae Smith. Now, I don't know if this is the precursor to him not winning the Heisman. Instead, they give it to a quarterback. It certainly might feel like that could be the case, but we'll keep a close eye on that one regardless. Also, a little bit of baseball housekeeping, too. Uh, the Phillies made a trade with the Rays, who are making trades with everybody. They just seem to be getting rid of everyone. Uh, did the Rays not make it to the World Series? Did I miss something? It feels like they were real close to a championship there. But anyway, they dealt a Jose Alvarado reliever to the Phillies. Now, this is a nice little get for the Phillies. Alvarado was not healthy last year, but in years past, was a pretty good relief pitcher. Now, the Phillies need relief help in the worst way. This can't be it for the Phillies in terms of getting that help. They need a lot more of it, but at least this is a start. I like this move for the Phillies. Keep an eye on this one. This is a guy who is capable of closing as well, so we'll probably talk more about him as we get closer and closer to the season. But it's time... For everybody's favorite, a little fantasy or reality, I'm going to start with the Cleveland Browns, who actually control their own destiny, which is nice. So how do the Browns get in the playoffs? Well, they have to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, which, by the way, heading into today's show, seemed like it might be more difficult until we got the word that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to play. Now, if they should not beat the Steelers... Then they need the Colts to lose or tie Jacksonville, Miami to lose to Buffalo, Baltimore to lose to Cincinnati, Tennessee to lose to the Houston Texans, or Tennessee Titans to tie the Texans, the Dolphins to win against the Bills, and the Ravens to win against the Bengals. So I hope you got all that. There's going to be a rock, paper, scissors tournament afterwards to decide if the Browns could get in there. But let's keep it simple for the sake of my brain, because God knows I'm simple. Eric, I'm going to ask you a fantasy or reality. The Browns will miss the playoffs in 2020 they are right here they are ready to control their own destiny are they going to actually control it especially now that mason rudolph is on the other side because the weird thing about the steelers is they just had that win it's raw raw but they were limping to the finish line and i don't know if they're going to necessarily not be playing really hard against the browns because number one it's an in-division opponent and number two you don't want to keep losing games. I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, you want to kind of go in here on a high note, and that's going to be more difficult, certainly, without Ben Roethlisberger. So I'll put it to you. Fantasy reality, the Browns miss the playoffs. 
I think it's fantasy. I think they make it. Uh, I mean, the reality is this has been a very good year for the Cleveland Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield looks improved from what he was last year. I mean, he's not what everyone thought he was going to be after his rookie season, but I think he's improved. Uh, I mean, the truth is, is the Pittsburgh Steelers were losing that game at half. And Ben Roethlisberger said, nope, not happening, and put the whole team on his back and 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 got a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not playing this week. We know that. It's going to be Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is not a good quarterback in the NFL, and I feel they probably are going to sit some of their other players as well because the reality is, is win or lose, this makes no difference for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, the players, like – I get that they're going to play and they're going to compete, but any starter on the field is not going to be giving it all. I mean, it's just the human condition. Will they compete and will they they play? Yes, but they're playing for nothing. I mean, the, it doesn't make any difference for them, win or lose. And the reality is for the Cleveland Browns, this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. They have to win this game. You want to leave it up a chance and, and that – <laughs> massive netney of things that Joe just listed that I can't even remember. Half of it. <laughs> I yeah, can't even say half of it. it. Yeah, you can't leave that up to fate. There's too many fans of the Cleveland Browns. I know so many Cleveland Brown fans that have been just taking it on the chin year after year. And this is the year for them to make it into the playoffs. And it comes down to this game. They have to win this football football game, and I think they will. I got to tell you, I'm a little worried. I think Baker Mayfield was shook last week, losing to the Jets. I think he took way too much on himself, and now he's feeling too much of a burden. Now, the great thing about Baker Mayfield is that his confidence level in Baker Mayfield is sky high. If T.O. loved him some me, Baker Mayfield is just a shy little bit behind that. And I think he can probably turn things around. I want to know what's going on with the wide receivers, though. Who's passing protocols? Who's going to be available? Because if it's the same cluster that it was last week, I don't know. I'm starting to get a little worried here a little bit. I'm going to say it's a fantasy too, but I got to tell you, I am not as confident as I was two weeks ago. And even even I was confident on Saturday going in, oh, the Browns are going to make the playoffs. They're going to roll the Jets. It's going to be fantastic for them. And he did not. The strange things happened. And I got to say, I'm a little concerned. I'm rooting for the Browns too. I'm like you. I want to see Cleveland get something to, to cheer for. I mean, the Indians have certainly not given it to them. You know, we have a Lears, but geez, it just feels like good to have a little bit something here with the Cleveland Browns. It'd be nice because the city loves their football. All right, next here, fantasy reality. Ron Rivera is head coach of the year, no matter what happens this weekend. And I'll send this out to you, and, and uh, I will go first on this one. Ron Rivera has dealt with cancer. He's dealt with taking on a new organization that's had a ton of controversy between the name of the team, between what was going on with ownership and the owner and some terrible lawsuits and lots of ugly things. And he's gotten this team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent to really play and play hard. Uh, he's got a quarterback that he just got rid of, a quarterback that he didn't draft, mind you, that he still tried to see what was there and was trying to give him a fair shake. And guess what? The guy just shook himself out of a job. Then Ron Rivera took Alex Smith, who came back from a devastating, life-threatening injury, got him looking like a good quarterback again. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, this guy has to have a couch put in so he could take naps and things like this on the road before games because of the chemotherapy he's gone through. And I, I think no matter what happens, Win or lose, if Dallas ends up winning this division at the end, of the Giants, whatever it might be, to me, Ron Rivera is the coach of the year. Well, I mean, what a phenomenal job he's done with Washington, with a team that's in such turmoil. And I know we're only talking about them because they play in this division. But you know what? Regardless, we need more good stories. I'm going to say this is a reality. Ron Rivera should be head coach of the year. What do you think about this? 
Yeah, I, I don't know if he wins it, but for me, I want it to be a reality. This is uh, he's a, a coach that I've always liked. Um, you know, stressing and toughness and, and stuff like that. I think that is important for for any football team. And he was dealt, uh, you know, a pretty brutal hand and is competitive. And and they could make the playoffs. They're only going to make the playoffs because of the division they're in. But that's besides the point. You I mean the. the no, no real skill at quarterback. Alex Smith was number three on the depth chart. Um, you know, there just weren't supposed to be a very good football team, and I feel like they are. And I feel with a couple of the right pieces put into place here, this could be a very competitive football team going forward. So for me, I wanted to be a reality. I'm I'm making t-shirts tonight. Ron Rivera for coaching. <laughs> Hashtag Rivera, Team Rivera. I mean, just from, you know, it's so difficult for a coach to come in to an organization that's used to losing and being a doormat for so long anyway. And then you throw in the cancer diagnosis and you throw in the drama with Haskins. And I think it was a great statement that he made by moving on with Haskins. I think he was in a tough spot where he didn't want to let the, I, I think he would have cut him as soon as the, the, the stuff came out last week had he not been desperate for a quarterback to play and had he not probably been thinking about the other 50 something guys on this team. And saying, you know what, they put in too much for me to not give them a chance. And if Hoskins gives us the best chance, theoretically, to win this football game, I got to try to put him out there. But I'm not going to let him go out there as a captain. And I think that's the whole captain thing, and that's why he did, to prove to everybody, look, this guy doesn't deserve anything. This is for you guys, not for him. And you know, when he failed, boom, he was gone. And I think that was the right move to make. And I think, honestly, look, going forward, I mean, you got to feel really good about what Ron Rivera is doing Washington and, and how he's turned around this franchise. Because this franchise needs a remake, not off the field or on the field, both, everything. It's top to bottom. All right, last one. This is very controversial. Every year people go through this, and every year there's, you know, holiday traditions and things that people like and don't like. And, you know, some people at Halloween tell you, you know, the way to eat candy corn is to open the bag and throw it in the trash. Uh, I, I think candy corn is fine. I don't like, I don't like it. I don't hate it. But eggnog is also a bit of a polarizing thing. And I want to get your take on this, okay? So I want to know, fantasy or reality, Eric, it's the holiday season. Eggnog is good. This is a statement. Is this statement fantasy or reality in your mind? Take it away. For me, this is the most fantasy statement of all time. Eggnog is terrible. You could put anything in it. You can add cinnamon. You can put booze. You can do whatever you want. It's awful. It's uh, from our other show on Sundays. It's a putrid drink. Anybody that says it's good or drinks eggnog on a regular basis, I don't trust, and you are no friend of mine. You know, we had such a good relationship going, you and I. So many hours of television together this year. And and I never say this. You're wrong. This is going to be on accountability on Sunday. I'm going to put, going to hold you accountable for saying it's wrong. Now, look, I didn't like eggnog when I was younger, but some, I don't know what happened to me somewhere along the line, but I do like the eggnog. I, and I will put a little cinnamon or a little nutmeg or something. And I can see you, you're making lists. You're like, go to Joe's house, slap him around. I saw what you did just now. You just like crossed me off. You like deleted me from the friends things on, on all your social media. I, but look, I, have I can't a remember anything. <laughs> I I have a I have a, a tradition and I think you'll at least prove a half of it. Every every Christmas season, usually Christmas Eve and if not Christmas Eve the day before, I will get a glass of eggnog and I will sit and watch Die Hard because again, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't care what anybody tells me about that. That's an easy argument to win. But I sit there and I enjoy my eggnog, maybe a Christmas cookie or two, and I and I have the eggnog. Now look, 
I understand, and I'll ask you the question. Do you not like it because of the taste or because of the the consistency? Because it is a thicker drink. I, I imagine that's something that could be off-putting, too. Uh, it's both. It's, it tastes terrible, and it has the consistency of puke. So I'm not going to drink it. And Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's no. not about the Christmas spirit. It's based it around is. Christmas time, but it's about terrorism. It's not about Christmas. It's not about. First of all, Sorry, no. first of all, they're not terrorists. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Okay, I want you to answer this question. I'm gonna give you the plot of a movie, and I want you to tell me it's a lone rogue setting booby traps for a bunch of thieves. And all he wants is his family back together for Christmas. You would say that's what movie? That's Home Alone, right? It's Home Alone. No, it's not Home Alone. It's Die Hard. Home Alone stole it from Die Hard. It's the same exact plot line. This guy, he's all by himself. He's lost in the woods. He's all he's he's only got himself that he could possibly count on. So what does he do? He sets a bunch of traps and he finds a way to stop these guys from stealing Christmas. His wife's name is Holly. For God's sake, the guy who wrote it said it's a huge allegory about and togetherness and about how you have to fight sometimes to get everything you want around Christmas time. For goodness sake, it's about the trust and brotherhood between him and the officer in that movie, Reginald Velt Johnson, who plays it so well. Of course, Christmas, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Of course it is. It's the same plot as Home Alone. Did you ever think about that? Did you before I just said that? Be honest. Did you ever think about it that way? Negative. Negative. It's negative. Have I ever convinced have me? I sleep- what, that didn't seep in at all for you? Not even a little bit? No. It's not funny. Ah. It's it's a, it's violent and it's oh, terrible. It's, and it's that is not Christmas. I don't need an excuse to watch Die Hard. I'll watch Die Hard Look. on Christmas Day. I love it. It's one of the greatest movies <laughs> ever made. Bruce Willis is awesome. It's amazing. It's not a Christmas movie. Violent and funny. Terrible. You've been banished. You're, you're, on, you're, you're on the bench. <laughs> Violent and funny sums up every Christmas in Brooklyn. All right. So I don't know where you, you know, you may be in Canada. Everybody's really nice and everyone just gets nice presents and sings carols. Not in Brooklyn. Somebody's yelling at somebody. Somebody did too much of this. Who's late? Who burned this? Well, everything's always a problem. We just yell just just how to communicate. We're yelling. A lot of violence going on. A ton of violence at Christmas. You got people throwing gifts at each other, receipts, all kinds of crazy things. Well, look, Eric, despite the fact that you're wrong on these things, I still love you. And I still consider you a dear friend. And I appreciate you all this week. And especially during the holidays, giving us extra time. Uh, For that, I'm going to send you an extra case of eggnog and the Blu-ray copy or even 4K of Die We'll be right back. Sports Grid 60 right after this. Don't go anywhere. Please finish the show strong. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Tomorrow, Eric Young and I are going to talk a little hockey. That's right. Believe it or not, we're also going to recap uh, the rest of the positions in fantasy in the year 2020. We're going to do a little tight end, a little running back, a little wide receiver, how things finished, how things closed out. But before we close out this show, we're going to talk a little sports grid 60. So, Eric, take it away, my friend. This is about the Cleveland Browns. We talked about in the last segment how the Cleveland Browns make it into this. I know so many 
Cleveland Brown. I think we lost Eric there for a second, unfortunately. And I, I can only imagine it was Bruce Willis who probably cut his line. And I will go with mine because, again, if you say Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, that's what happens. Bruce Willis will disagree with you. Uh, but I will say this. I am not a conspiracy theory guy. I don't wear the tinfoil hat. I should because my head gets cold in the wintertime this time of year. But I will say this. There were some bad referee calls this weekend. Really bad. Jalen Hurts' knee was down. Aaron Jones' foot was out. There was a lot of things that made me kind of roll my eyes. So for me, look, I don't want to say that the league wanted certain teams to do certain things, make certain playoffs, but it certainly did look a little weird. All right, your 60s now probably at 20 or 30 EY if we got you back. So hit me up with your Cleveland Brown stuff now. For everything right in the world, Cleveland Brown, you have tons of loyal fans that have stood by and taken it on the chin every year in the NFL. They need to win this game. They need to make them, uh, themselves into a playoff contender. Do it for Johnny Gargano. Do it for Vic Joseph. Do it for Ziegler. Do it for all the lunatics that have been following this team blindly into the night and getting smashed over the head over and over. Cleveland Browns, it's up to you. I believe in you, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, I got to say, man, I, I support that, too. Cleveland's a good town. I like Cleveland. I've been to Alice Cooper's town. I've seen ball games there. It's a nice spot, and they deserve it. They love their football. They had their team leave, for God's sakes. And then they came back, and they still can't get a logo. I still say the Cleveland Browns can't win a Super Bowl until you cut a logo on the helmet. You need a logo. You're the Browns. Your helmet's orange, for God's sakes. The whole thing just doesn't make any sense. Let's just get somebody, something, a dog. I don't care. Anything. We'll be back tomorrow. More fancy sports today, 12 Eastern. So make sure you tune in for that. Stay on the grid for lots of great programming for Joe Pisa, me, and Eric Young. We'll see you next time. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.